scripture reading this morning can be found in the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20. We'll be reading verse 7, the third commandment. Uh, there are few Bibles, uh, black ESV Bibles, somewhere near you in front of you, Lord willing, hopefully. If you do not have a Bible, Exodus chapter 20, verse 7 can be found on page 61 of that Bible. Let us give due reverence to the reading of God's Word, Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the Word of our God will stand forever. Third commandment seems a little less important than what we've already discussed. Uh, It may even seem simple as we warn ourselves to stop cursing. Stop that. Okay, then we can move on to the fourth commandment. Like all of the other commandments, there is in essence an initial floor to the law that's being discussed that's easily discernible. It's not necessarily the ceiling of everything that's being discussed with regards to the command, whatever is being forbidden and whatever is being required. Well, what is in a name? Well, there's quite a bit because this is the first of two commandments which is really going to reference a name. So this is God's name that we're talking about this morning. In the ninth commandment, we're going to talk about each other's name. How do we uphold each other's name? in private and public conversation. That's not the first name that should be of most importance, ours or each other's. It's God's name. Well, again, what what is in a name? Well, there's quite a lot. There are actual people, maybe some of you are some of them, who leave the hospital with a newborn with no name for the newborn because it's so gut-wrenchingly difficult Say, well, well, how about your family name this? How about the middle name could be that? Well, I don't think so. We're going to upset that person. We're going to upset this person. Well, I think it should be this. Well, I don't agree with you. Was that Maybe that wasn't your experience. I don't know. But it's, it's difficult. It's a challenge. It's, it's permanent. It's a big deal. There's a lot behind a name. Well, what about God's name? Three short things this morning. The name of the Lord must not be misused. That's what's commanded. But what is also required here? The name of the Lord must be honored. But thirdly, the name of the Lord has been given. Firstly, uh, the name of the Lord must not be misused. That's the plain reading of this commandment. How would we misuse the name of the Lord? In two specific ways, in our speech and in our actions. Firstly, in our speech, this doesn't mean we can say the Lord's name. We can't say the Lord's name under any circumstance. His name's written in the Bible. Other people are speaking his name in the Bible. Jews, we have tons of names that he goes by. To take his name in vain simply means to treat it as empty, worthless, nothing, or to no good purpose. 
And Kevin DeYoung explains, we can't take up his name or bear the name in a manner that is wicked, worthless, or for wrong purposes. He starts to get into some things that are a little less obvious here. We can't take up the name or even bear the name in a way that would be sinful. So this could mean several things. So how, how do we misuse his name in our speech? One obvious way is misusing the name uh, through blasphemy or cursing him. Leviticus 24.16 says, Whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him. The sojourner, as well as the native, when he blasphemes the name, shall be put to death. It's very serious. It's serious business in the Old Testament. Uh, in the New Testament, we could say church discipline would need to fall. If there is a blaspheming consistently of the name. So this is obviously serious, serious to Jesus too. Matthew twelve thirty one says, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit won't be forgiven. What does that mean? It's not only the denying of the divinity of the Holy Spirit, but saying Jesus is casting out demons because he has the spirit of a demon. It's cursing members of the Trinity. Saying they're worthless, useless, useless not, not who they say they're to be. Evil. Uh, continuing, we misuse the name when we give uh, empty or false oaths. Because we often will take an oath by the name as him as a witness. Leviticus 19.12, You shall not swear by my name falsely, and so profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. So this is very common in our Western, somewhat historically influenced by Christianity society, where we take oaths uh, in our civic society, maybe with a hand on the Bible, as God is a witness. Uh, Westminster Confession 22 says, The name of God only is that by which men ought to swear. And therein it is to be used with all holy fear and reverence. Therefore, to swear vainly or rashly by that glorious and dreadful name, or to swear at all by any other thing, is sinful and to be abhorred. And in Matthew chapter 5, with regards to oaths, Jesus says, as you know, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Be a person of integrity, regardless of consequences. As, as God is your witness, you take an oath to tell the truth. You take an oath of office. Society, in a sense, hangs quite possibly on people just being willing to be honest and tell the truth. Well, it's commanded here in this commandment for a Christian. We also can't give false visions or false claims in His name. Jeremiah 23, 25 says... They prophesy lies in my name by saying things such as, well, this is what God wants us to do. This is what God told me. Maybe uh, they're not even saying something that he, he would have said. They're ascribing to God and to His name things that God hasn't ascribed. He hasn't put His name behind. Or He wouldn't put His name behind. Can any man even 
put God's name behind something with 100% clarity and certainty besides the Lord Jesus? No. We can't. We can't simply slap God's name on our agenda or what we would like to happen. We're reminded in another section of the standards that church councils have erred and do err. That would be pastors, elders, sessions, presbyteries, general assemblies, whole denominations have and do err. Now we try to reduce that possibility of a room full of sinners by having a room full of sinners and not just one sinner making a decision. But we still mess up. And so in Kevin DeYoung's commentary, he has a little illustration of their session had started at some point, I don't know when, a capital campaign, and then they ended up finding a property. But they didn't go to the congregation and say, God wants us to do that. Now they did say, well, we've been praying about it, and the Lord has led us to these certain things. But that's not how they approached it. As you would see in Acts chapter 19 with the sons of Sceva, who were even doing wrong things, trying to heal in the name. They didn't know the Lord. There's a myriad other ways in our speech where we misuse the name, using it flippantly. Uh, Obviously, cursing Him or using it to curse others. Thinking lightly of the name and our usage of it. But let's pivot for a second to how would we misuse the name in our actions? Have we even considered that that could be part of the third commandment? That it might go beyond our, our speech? Beyond cussing? Which I don't advocate. What would it look like in our actions? Uh, one commentator, Dalma, he says, um, included within a person's name is his whole being. It's not simply what someone goes by. Uh, 1 Kings 4.31 says, Solomon enjoyed a name among all the surrounding nations attributed to his unsurpassed wisdom. It wasn't simply that he was known as Solomon. He was known as Solomon, that guy who's really wise. It said something about him, not simply a reference to to a person or a name. God's name is who he is. Back earlier in Exodus chapter 3, Moses asks God, Who should he say sent him? And he says, I am has sent me to you. I am who I am. He's not simply saying what to call him, but what he is, who he is. He's eternal. He's self-existent. He's a sovereign God. Exodus 33, we will see Moses asks to see God's glory. And God responds, I will make my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. The way to see God's glory is to hear or proclaim His name. It's a, it's a big deal. But think about misusing His name as defaming who He is. And then think about what Puritan Tom Watson says, that we take His name in vain. When we profess God's name, but do not live answerably to it.
rut row. It's a little more complicated now. So, if I profess his name, I sit in here in worship and confess my faith and are assured of my pardon of my sin and then go out and walk and talk as if he's not my Lord, name in vain. That makes sense if you think about the wonderful Indiana Jones movies. When Sean Connery is assuring Harrison Ford that he can call him Junior. He keeps calling him Junior, and you'll remember the scene where Harrison Ford, he's whipping something or doing something on a horse, and he's like, don't call me Junior. I'm a Junior, so I can relate. But he is a Junior. He's got the same name as his dad. We all bear somebody else's name. We're not simply told in in the third commandment to to use the right name. We're supposed to live rightly under the name we've been given. Reputation. Sean Connery was not simply worried about his reputation, but saying, we have a relationship. You're junior. That's what God is saying here. We have a relationship. You're my children. Don't simply misuse my name by what you say, but you walk around with my name in everything that you think and you say and everything that you do. Possibly taking his name in vain. Well, give me some Old Testament proof of that. Okay. Exodus chapter 36. Things are, have gone so badly in Israel that they are about to be taken into bondage and be removed from the land that God had given them. And listen to what he says. These are the people of the Lord, and yet they had to go out of his land. But I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations to which they came. They weren't simply misusing his name verbally. They were living like abject pagans. But then going to the temple as if nothing was wrong. And saying, well, yes, our God is Yahweh. But I sacrifice to other gods and I live however I want. And I don't care about the sojourner or the immigrant or the poor. Or how I'm supposed to do the sacrifices in the temple. That doesn't matter. I don't care. I've been saved by grace. I got the sacrifices We're here in the land. We're saved. They profaned His holy name by everything that they did. And they lost the land. Paul writes to Titus, chapter 1, verse 16, they profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. We've messed up on this far beyond cursing. We need to check the integrity of our whole life before the Lord, our, our brothers and sisters, and the entire watching world. Whose name do I bear? When I talk a certain way, whether it's cussing with the Lord's name, or saying something bad about someone else, or whatever it is, who am I representing? 
Well, my family, my church, and my God. Many things to repent of, especially on social media, possibly. But there is something else that's commanded here. The name of the Lord must be honored. This isn't simply a a negative command. We're, We're not simply told, just don't do certain things. We're told to do certain things. What are we told to do? Well, to honor the name of the Lord, firstly, by keeping our oaths, being people of truth and integrity with what we say. Uh, Heidelberg Catechism 101. But may we swear an oath in God's name if we do it reverently. Yes, when the government demands it or when necessity requires it in order to maintain and promote truth and trustworthiness for God's glory and our neighbor's good. Such oath-taking is grounded in God's Word and was rightly used by the saints in the Old and New Testaments. I love the language there of not just saying, yes, you can take an oath. But it says, in order to maintain and promote truth. And truthfulness, trustworthiness for God's glory and our neighbor's good. That we're not... We're not simply being people of integrity by our word for our own reputation, our own benefit. This is ultimately because of the name that we bear. It's for God's glory. We are to be people of truth. We are to be trustworthy from our family members, our friends, our coworkers, our fellow church members. I said it. I meant it. My yes is yes and my no is no. What an opportunity for evangelism in a culture and a workplace where it's all about us, and we can lie, cheat, and steal to put ourselves ahead. No. We will keep our oaths. Our yes is yes, our no is no. That's how we honor the name of the Lord. That's commanded in the third commandment. But secondly, generally respecting His name. We do not need to use God's name flippantly in a manner that is disrespectful to Him. And whenever we speak it, it needs to be with gravity and respect to who He is. He's given us a plurality of names that we can call Him. He doesn't want us to take it with a lack of gravity or seriousness. Because as we just said, that reflects how we view Him. This isn't about trivial legalism and what we can and can't do with our language language means something it points to people the language of god's name points to who he is how we think of him whether or not he's given us the ability to call him certain things some examples from the psalms psalm 8 1 O lord our lord how majestic is your name in all the earth that's quite a statement How majestic is your name in all of the earth? Above any other name? Above any other thing that you created? Your name is above all. Psalm 29.2 Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. That's the function of every worship service. 
As I said at the very beginning, welcome. We're here for an audience of one. This is going together with the second commandment. How are we supposed to worship God? Does He care? Yes. Who are we worshiping? Him. His name. Matthew 6, 9, regarding the first petition of the Lord's Prayer, hallowed be your name. Or holy is your name. Set apart from every other name. Something to be used and and cherished by His children, but not misused and abused flippantly. But also... The name of the Lord must be honored through a living a life of obedience. We're called to be holy because God is holy. To say that, to try to live that out, is not simple legalism. If we claim to be a Christian, we bear His name, we have to act like His children because we hold His reputation before a watching world. Integrity is character put under the test. You think about integrity with uh, materials or engineering elements or bridges. They have to be put under the test to see how integral they actually are. And the Christian is being put under the test every time we walk into the world. We're bearing his name. How's our integrity? With regarding our character. Do we rightly hold His name? Well, one pastor, Al Martin, says, integrity is related to having a clear conscience. A clear conscience contains no disobedience that has not been confessed or repented of. No God-given duty that we are consciously failing or neglecting, and no revealed truth we reject, suppress, or water down for selfish gains. Notice right there at the beginning, he says, no disobedience that has not been confessed or repented of. We're not, we're not talking about perfection. No one But the Lord Jesus is perfect in holiness. But the Lord our God says to be holy for He is holy. And we are His children adopted under His name. And so we are sent out to live under His name. Are we honoring God's name in all we do publicly, privately, in the family, in the church, in the workplace? Can we admit we bear His name and His reputation? That that's actually true, as daunting as that is. But we are sinners who have to be okay with the Bible and others correcting us and criticizing us for the sake of the name. We need correcting. Pastor Joel Beakey mentions some stumbling blocks to, to us being able and willing to look at our own life and our own integrity. I think too highly of myself. And I care too much about myself. We have to realize that we all all desperately need the Lord, even as professing believers, to have help with this. Proverbs twenty seven six says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, 
And Paul was accused in Acts 24. His response was, I exercise myself to have always a clear conscience, void of offense towards God and towards men. Much more can be said on that. But clearly, what's being asked in the third commandment is respecting the name and speech. But respecting the name that we bear in all that we do in obedience. But then, that we have to become acquainted more and more with the fact that we're sinners in need of grace, we need to repent. And we need to confess that we often don't honor the name by thought, word, and deed. But finally, there's good news. There's help and encouragement. Because the name of the Lord has already been given. Why would we want to care so much about the Lord's name and about the Lord Himself so much that we would alter our speech and our life for His sake? Acts 4.12 says, There is no other name under name heaven given among men which we must be saved. By which we must be saved. Romans 10.13 Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Someone has a very powerful name. Philippians 2.10-11 At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Jesus' name is the full manifestation of the person of God. That's basically what he says in the high priestly prayer. John 17, verses 4 and 6. Jesus has fully manifested the glory and weight of the name of God to the world. He continues, All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. He continues, Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me that they may be one even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the Scriptures might be fulfilled. You See what Jesus is saying there in the high priestly prayer. There are people who bear the name despite of their sin. There are people who bear the name Because Jesus has given His name. And He guards those whose name He has given to. He protects them. He brings them into unity, even as the Father and the Son are unified. How did He do that? By paying for our sins. He's already given us the name. We can't lose the name. What an encouragement to live for that name. We didn't deserve it, but we've received it. When? One place would be at your baptism. Because as they were church planting, Matthew 28 says, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Whether you received that after a profession of faith, or you received that as a youngin, and then the Lord basically owed up to the promises that He made in your baptism, 
and completed those promises. You have been baptized into the name. What do we do at the end of every worship service? We have a benediction. One of the first benedictions, Numbers chapter 6. After that benediction is given by Aaron, he says, So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. The benediction is a blessing of a minister on a congregation as they're sent out being reminded of a name. You're not simply a member of your family, a member of this community, a person who has a certain kind of job or income or social status. You have a name in the Trinity given through baptism, reminded in corporate worship in a benediction where we can come to the throne room and ask anything in the name. Even as we are sinners, we come through confession and repentance, we can ask. Because now, one name that we can use is Father. Jesus reminds all of us in John 16, In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, He will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Shorter catechism, what is prayer? Prayer is an offering up of our desires unto God for things agreeable to His will. In the name of Christ, with confession of sins and thankful acknowledgement of His mercies, ask in the name, live in the name and for the name, and be blessed in the richness of mercy and forgiveness in the name, as the hymn writer says. How sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's ear. It soothes his sorrows, heals his wounds, and drives away his fear. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we live under the name. We speak under the name. Encourage us not simply to hold your name with high regard, and not to use it flippantly, or to curse other people or you with it but increase the integrity and the character and the clear conscience of our whole life because we have received the whole Christ. May there come a day very soon in this church where many come to know the Lord, the name of the Lord, because of how we live under that name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.